0: Welcome, everyone, to RB1 Colin Fantasy Football Podcast, part of the fake team's podcast channel. I am the consummate professional, presenter of the DeAndre Swift gift those with a swift lift up this fantasy gift list first ranking officer of the Star- Terry McLaurin stand club and BFFs with the Oracle your humble host Pete Rogers and I am joined by only one of the guys it is the duck father governor and overseer of Derek Henry rage manor DK Metcalf's number one admirer and caster of the double rovers chutzpah resident old man Clark Barnes Clark how you doing today
1: doing great Pete how are you
0: I am well. Did you do anything fun to celebrate the Hallows' Eve this uh, past Sunday? No. Past Saturday, I
1: guess. Yeah, no. I'm, I am old and don't go out much anymore. So, mm. yeah. The, uh, one of the young ladies at one of the coffee stands that I go to had a very racy police officer uniform on. That's my only Halloween story this year. Both uh both topical and uh and um uh, Halloween-y, I guess.
0: Uh yeah, we didn't we didn't have a big unintended
1: for you adults Thank out you. there.
0: Thank you. Thank you. Um yeah. I feel like this was a very underwhelming Halloween, not only because of because everyone's kind of like still COVIDy and uh and just but also just like for us, I mean we're in the midst of nowhere New Hampshire and it, it just didn't feel as as festive as in Hallow's Eve's past. Yeah.
1: I mean, if you had dressed up like Freddy Krueger or Jason in that cabin in the woods scenario, that might've gotten really bad.
0: Right. It just, it's, it feels like it's kind of asking for it. I will say though, to celebrate, we did watch uh, Ready or Not, which is this like kind of, it's a hor- not even a horror, but it's like a, it's like a thriller, slasher, killer, dark comedy uh basically about this woman who marries into this family this very rich family uh who made their millions off of a board game uh their board game empire and in order to get initiated you have to play a game and she of course chooses this game called hide and seek in which she has to hide and they all try to kill her uh but she's unbeknown, she doesn't know this until later into the movie very bloody very funny 10 out of 10 would recommend so we did we did that a tame horror movie to celebrate halloween halloween
1: Believe it or not, Pete, I have seen that movie oh! and agree that it's good. I would give it a C, which to me is like very high company.
0: Uh,
1: what would be, what is an A movie to you? Uh, Blazing Saddles. Oh Well, well,
0: that's, that, that holds water. Uh, wow, I can't believe that there is a movie that
1: we have both seen, and an obscure movie too. I'm
0: quite impressed with you, Clark.
1: Yeah, you reminded me. I watched a movie called Alone because it had zombie in the description. I was like, I'm in for that. And apparently it's an almost shot for shot ripoff of a Korean movie called Hashtag Alive. And we watched both of those in the past week. I was very upset. (laughs) I walked out of the theater on the second one. Uh, well using air quotes for the podcast listeners anyway yeah. that's all the movie talk i have in me
0: all right well there you go as we do on tuesday's show we got some waiver ads for you uh we're with the trade deadline tomorrow we're going to uh, or slash today as you are listening to this we're going to talk some moves we'd love to see but before we get into all of that let's uh let's talk some week eight news and reactions so the biggest thing in the news we had two Pretty big injuries go down in the Seahawks versus the 49ers game. Jimmy G left the game early. George Kittle left the game. Uh, And now we have confirmation on both those injuries. Jimmy G is out six weeks with an ankle sprain and George Kittle is out eight weeks with a broken foot and likely George Kittle might just be done for the year. Uh, Eight weeks puts him coming back at week 16, which or Week 17, which uh, I don't think the 49ers could be making a playoff push this, this year. So that seems a little bit silly, but the talking heads, Clark, need to know. 49ers offense looked lost. I, lost, I watched the beginning of this game because I put a lot of stock in Brandon Ayuk uh, being really good. And 49ers offense looked lost with Jimmy G under center. He went 11 for 16, 84 yards, and an interception before he left with the ankle injury. And in step, Nick Mullins went 18 for 25, 238 yards, and two touchdowns. Finally got my boy Brandon Ayuk involved. Are the 49ers – is the 49ers passing game worse? off with nick mullins or is there not that big of a drop-off or do we see the last of jimmy g in a 49ers uniform
1: i don't think that there is much lost with jimmy g going out and this is really just an opportunity for the for the niners to see what they have with mullins uh the i like that the niners went for it when jimmy garoppolo was available and he played okay but has just shown that Um, You know, he's below the Dalton line. And so he's just, he's not horrible, but he is, he's not good. He's Not going to win you any games. He's, you know, uh, Jared Goff light. And and these are all backhanded compliments. So I think going to Nick Mullins doesn't really matter. Uh, Shanahan can just produce seemingly with anyone under center. And so, yeah, the the Niners will be fine. I was interested in seeing Ayuk in there. We're still going after any running back, <laughs> like uh, whomever, whomever the Florida, okay. whoever
0: Kyle Shanahan runs out at in the backfield is like has fantasy value.
1: Yeah, but that's it. We're, we've now lost the tight end there, so we don't care about that. But it's just down to Ayuk whoever is alive at running back.
0: Yeah. And Debo Samuel, I think is, isn't supposed to be out too much longer. So hopefully he'll come back and obviously he'll be a a very key member of this uh, passing game. It is really interesting. Just the Jimmy G Jared Goff parallels. Like I I feel like these kind of offensive minded head coaches, this is, so someone posed this to me on Twitter, basically, actually it wasn't even someone It was Matthias water wadner for the uh who writes at fake teams uh and so we were talking on twitter i was basically i said is this the last we've seen jimmy G in a 49ers uniform and he was like i kind of want to see kyle shanahan have a rookie quarterback and like build this off op- like build basically get the quarterback that he wants for uh for his offense and it is interesting that some it seems as though for like McVay's offense for Shanahan's offense for these offenses where they are constructed. Like there, there, there is this clear idea as to what the coach wants to do. It's interesting that they both like signed on pretty early with a big price tag to these quarterbacks that it seems like can't actually run their offense super effectively. And we've seen like Cliff Kingsbury came in, pushed was like, ah, this is who I need Kyler Murray. And obviously Kyler Murray is, is a like, a much better quarterback than Jimmy G or, uh, or Jared Goff. Uh, but the, like he got his guy in their set. So it's, I'm curious to see whether or not Shanahan, basically my round of a point is, I guess, is like, do we see Shanahan? Do, do does the 49ers need a pricey quarterback uh, under center or, or should just Shanahan basically be like, I can get whomever I need. I'm just going to do kind of a rotation. Like he does at running back. Like he does at wide receiver trust the system. And do we now see kind of a rotation at quarterback? or do we see Kirk Cousins there because remember <laughs> Shanahan really wanted Kirk Cousins and the Vikings I feel like would get
1: out would love to get out from under him all kinds of excitement yeah it's interesting i think that it's an offense that doesn't really lean on the quarterback as heavily as every you know as heavily as some NFL offenses do and that's basically just like when there's a lack of creativity from your coaching staff and you have like Matt Ryan it's like get out there and be somebody and we just hope that they're able to do it. You know, with Shanahan and uh, McVeigh, I understand the situations that they're in paying the guys that they have because they're just not making a ton of these guys. Um, so you kind of have to run with with what you have. And the Niners are good enough to not end up getting a top 10 pick. So that would have to be something coming from John Lynch to move them up in a draft. And it'd be interesting to see the uh, bootleg Bells and whistles, smoke and mirrors, offense being run with a college ish like college style quarterback, guy, that would be fun to see in san francisco
0: yeah, yeah, that would be interesting the san francisco they they just got a lot more of a, a sexier narrative, i would say, given i mean they 've been dealing with so many injuries, but once you lose your quarterback for an extended period of time, like that just losing him and obviously uh, george kittle that's that's you know devastating for that offense but Losing once you once a team loses their quarterback, it's pretty easy to like have just be like, all right, lost season, you know, we're we're on to 2021 now. And so I'm I'm very curious to see what this 49ers team is going to look like for the rest of the year, but then also going into 2021 because I just I feel like the 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 Jimmy G rope is the leash is ended, which I mean, let's get saucy here. Let's have Jimmy G get traded back to the Patriots. And he's now starting quarterback 2021 for New England.
1: Well, at least the way that the Niners structured Jimmy G's contract, uh, they don't have a lot of money tied up with him. There was a lot of front-loaded oh. guarantees. They gave him a ton of money over the first few years. So it's not unreasonable to think that they could cut him and get away from him.
0: Yeah. Well, they might do that. That's a saucy move. Good uh, good contract,
1: Doc Clark. Well done. That's right. I got to do at least one thing on the podcast other than just – Babble my opinion.
0: Yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, my life didn't work. All right, let's move on. Uh, another injury that was we had go down uh, week eight. Kenny Galladay left with a hip injury, and it's he's certainly going to be out uh, week nine, but the injury is thought to be week to week i have seen i think it was shefty or Rappaport was batting around that the lions could put him on ir IR, which means he would be out for three weeks uh in his place marvin jones and marvin hall don't get those two marvin's confused uh both stepped up marvin jones caught two touchdowns uh against the colts is that who the lions played yeah Uh, And then Marvin Hall had, I think had like 113 yards uh, receiving. So both of those guys, I know Marvin Jones is like just barely, I think he's around 50% rostered in Yahoo leagues. Marvin Hall, I would assume is, is much less. Both of those two guys, I would say are are worth rostering. Um, But either if you want to talk on those guys, Clark, or we've seen Kenny Galladay now miss, you know, he kind of started the year banged up and came in a little bit late. He's now injured again. Should Galladay owners, this feels kind of Deontay Johnson-ish, where it's like he's great when he's on the field, but when he's not on, he, can you rely him on him being on the field for that regular? Should Kenny Galladay managers think about maybe trying to move him, even though it's at a discount, but just trying to get someone who's maybe a little more reliable to trust into?
1: I'd be open to it, but he is good when he plays. And unfortunately for Marvin Jones owners, who are just we're hoping this duo would give them, you know, two guys in the top 20 for the Lions this year. Marvin Jones seems to play better when Kenny Galladay plays too. Uh, it will be interesting to see what they do. Yeah, Marvin Hall Jr. So they'll have two juniors out there in Jones. Two Marvin Juniors. Yeah, love it. Yeah. But yeah, the the Lions are just really hard to bet on anyway. So Marvin Jones would be, you know, a good desperation play. If you need it, you could do a lot worse at flexes when we have – bias coming through the league but I'm not really excited about anything uh on the Lions and I think the Lions with Kenny Galladay is better for everybody on the Lions
0: yeah that that well that's that's certainly true I did like the fact that DeAndre Swift even in a really tough matchup against the Colts saw I, I mean he obviously saw the bulk of the work in the ground game but also saw four targets in the passing game which which to me shows confidence that I think his his role what we've seen for those two weeks prior to week eight is pretty cemented as as their lead back which i as a swift rosterer am very
1: happy yeah peterson got the start in the first carry and looked like he has for the past two years just competent good vision but doesn't have the juice anymore yeah
0: uh, all right. Well, t- continuing with the running back position we've seen, we now saw, uh, this was kind of a, a rookie running back breakout week for a couple guys. And then also some, a diminished week for some other guys. We'll start with the Ravens though. Cause JK Dobbins finally got his chance. Mark Ingram was out against the Steelers. Dobbins saw 66% of the snaps. He had 15 carries, two targets, 121 total yards. That didn't stop Gus Edwards, though, on 33% of the snaps, still having a big roll, uh, 16 carries, one target, 87 yards, and a touchdown. Uh, Clark, you you watched this game. What did you think of this backfield?
1: Yeah, both these guys look really good, and I don't know if the Ravens had a Steelers-specific game plan or if they are going back to their roots because at the beginning of the year, Lamar Jackson was – uh, they were trying to have Lamar Jackson do more and pass more. He was still running, but it wasn't as much design run stuff. This game, you could tell the objective was we were going to run the football. Uh, Gus Edwards and J.K. Dobbins looked great. I think this is definitely the nail in the coffin for Mark Ingram's fantasy value. So if there's anyone holding on hope for him and you can get you know anything from him, throw him, hit him in somewhere, should go for it. Gus Edwards looked really good uh and they finally ran him outside instead of just running him up the middle all of the time and jk dobbins looks like he's going to be a star so yeah uh gus edwards is going to get paid and we should keep an eye on where he goes if he goes somewhere and for everyone who's been waiting on jk dobbins it's not going to happen that he's going to get all of the carries and all the snaps because they just run the ball too much and that's good for you but the person you drafted is really he's what you thought you're getting he's fantastic
0: Yeah. And you're totally right that the Ravens definitely have like returned. They came out of the bye and really reemphasized the ground game, which is something that they were kind of getting away from earlier in this season. It is, it does make me real nervous about this, uh, this passing game just because, and, and even miles Brown, Marquise Brown, excuse me, Marquise Brown came out after the game and tweeted out something basically like if you have these soldiers, why not use them? Uh, Oh, man, I don't love the fact that I, I had Marquise Brown in all of my leagues because I was like, oh, this is it. Everything's going to click for him. It was It's going to be awesome. He uh, had two targets against the Steelers. Willie Sneed led the team with seven targets. This passing game is, is worrisome.
1: Yeah, I, I guess I didn't think about it because this passing game is dead to me, and it has been for weeks. <laughs> there, I don't know what happened, but Lamar Fair. Jackson it is. forgot how to pass. His motion yeah. seems to have gotten worse. Is I don't that, know. If, it,
0: it's not great, and maybe, maybe, uh, maybe I'll help the Ravens out later in the podcast with a saucy trade.
1: But we should do that. Th- yeah. Also, don't. <laughs> Everything doesn't have to be a war, guys. <laughs> so, uh,
0: but yes, the Ravens' backfield is is fantasy viable, uh, and and Gus Edwards, someone I know you've been championing for a while, Clark. Is is now finally stepping into that Mark Ingram role, and and they're both going to yep. see regular work.
1: Yeah, and Marquise Brown and uh, Mark Andrews are still worth holding on to. Let's not forget the Steelers are really good. Don't overreact to that. Also, but true. they, it, I was really hyped on Marquise Brown this year, and that's just not going to happen. So he might have a big game or two, but.
0: He's no. not going to be the reliable yeah. wide receiver, too, that I, that I drafted him to be. Not yeah. that I drafted him as a wide receiver, but that was my expectation. Uh, another rookie running back who kind of seems to have cemented himself as the top dog in their offense, Zach Moss' season is upon us. He saw 54% oh of the snaps over Devin Singletary's 48% of the snaps. Both had 14 carries, but – as we talked about, as a lot of people, this was not something we came up with. A lot of people who had watched Zach Moss in college who were talking about this Bills offense in the offseason uh, talked about Moss was predominantly used in the red zone. Once the Bills offense got to the red zone, Zach Moss was their predominant back and it led to two rushing touchdowns for him against the Patriots. Zach Moss is, I think, also hovering around that fifty percent roster spot. He is, I, I, I think it's pretty clear. He is the back to own in Buffalo. If you can get him on your roster, you should one hundred percent. He has he throughout the pre not preseason throughout training camp flashed his ability in the passing game. I just think his role in Buffalo is going to only continue to grow and. I don't think Devin Devin Singletary is going to score a rushing touchdown from five yards out. I think he's going to have to, it's going to have to, he's going to have to break like a a 15 to 20 yarder in order to get you any kind of a touchdown production.
1: Yeah. I think I agree with you that Moss is the one to own because he is very clearly getting um, from the twenties and in red zone work, but Singletary also looks really good. This is going to be a two, running back backfield so i if you have singletary and he's your flex option when things get tough i, I think that that's going to stay the same because he looks he looks really good out there running but yeah they just he must have a touchdown allergy you know from julio jones or something that they're just he not going to give him the ball unless he scores a 30 yarder you're just not going to get it but yeah zach Moss looked really good against you know this pete i meant this wanted to say this specifically Ooh. uh the patriots looked pretty good So a good bounce back game, even though they lost after, you know, their disaster.
0: That's funny because I was just about to segue into a question. Is the Patriots' run defense trash?
1: <laughs> and should you
0: always be starting your running back against them? Because last week, Jeff Wilson torched them for three touchdowns and like 120 yards. This week, Zach Moss and Devin Singletary both had 80 plus yards, and Zach Moss had two touchdowns. I'm starting to think that this Patriots, like, and this is a Bill Belichickism. It's also like we talk about the Chiefs a lot, where it's like, hey, run the ball, we're okay with it. Uh, I'm sorry. I think that the Patriots are, are really, especially, uh, Lawrence guy left that game, left the bills game injured. He might be out for a little bit of time. They lost Brandon Copeland, one of their, um, linebackers last week. Uh, and I think their other linebackers got banked up The whole defense is struggling uh, with injuries. I think that the Patriots from now on are like one of those defenses where you have a running back against them. You fire them up because, uh, this, this defense is just kind of giving away touchdowns to the position right now.
1: Yeah, as odd as that sounds, you're right. And they're not possessing the ball for forever on offense, so. Ooh, that that Cam fumble was was crushing. It's tough, but he looked good, right? He, he looked okay. Cam just has a really long, deliberate motion, and that's, I think that the Patriots are going to get better as the year goes on, and once Josh McDaniels figures out, that's what there is with Cam, and that's it. It's not going to change. Doesn't hurt him that he's got no wide receivers. Uh talking no about him waiver ads later i'll just say it now so i don't forget jacoby myers is the person to own if you're gonna own anybody in that passing offense and he's okay he gets open and catches the football which are two of the main ingredients for a good wide receiver <laughs> i wouldn't be extremely excited about it but he's obviously cam's favorite
0: yeah yeah it blows my mind that it took him so long to see regular field time he had 40 percent of uh, the patriots targets last week against the Bills you saw ten. And this isn't
1: so, the first time that he's done this either. So that's no. not just one game that we're getting excited about. He has flashed before and yes. it just seems obvious now that he's kind of the last man standing. <laughs> so now he's going to he's going to be leading that offense. Uh a
0: rookie running back who just didn't get the memo that it was time to break out. Jonathan Taylor, I don't know what he did, what he said, like th- for whatever reason, man, this guy cannot Break cannot get charge of the uh, Colts backfield. He had 33% of the snaps, 13 touches for 31 yards, and he's dealing with an ankle injury. I know that that kind of slowed him down, but he has not looked as explosive or, or, and compare that to Jordan Wilkins, 51% of the snaps, 21 touches, 103 yards, and a TD. And then Naheem Hines obviously went off in the passing game. I mean, went off. He scored two touchdowns on three catches. So, I don't really know if I can rely upon that production, but he certainly put up a huge game on my bench. You'll love to see that. I what what is happening here, Clark? Why isn't Jonathan Taylor? This felt like the game against the Cincinnati Bengals where or against the uh the Titans. Who do the Colts play? God damn it. Lions. It was the Lions.
1: It? So I okay. What happened? I didn't know that Jonathan Taylor was injured, but I watched this game and just thought. Jonathan Taylor, one, doesn't look like he did earlier in the season. So I don't know if he's hitting the rookie wall or what. So if he has an ankle injury, it is definitely slowing him down because uh, Jordan Wilkins is a C-level Fine. running back. Yeah. He, he, you're going to have a couple of those guys on your team and you're happy to have them on their team because they're young and they're cheap and they are you know technically competent. But Wilkins is a very deliberate, slow runner. Uh, not, not slow, but like... Methodical, all the, yeah, all the good things that Le'Veon Bell did, just not the burst to really take advantage of it. And he just had a good game, and so I'm not worried about it. The, I'm worried about the Jonathan Taylor injury because you watch both of these guys play, and you're just like neither one of them are anything very special. And now, now understanding Taylor had an injury, that makes more sense. Uh, I keep an eye on the injury. I think it's obviously Jonathan Taylor's gig. Wilkins is. I would. Be, I'd be more concerned about Naheem Hines getting a lot more run than Wilkins really taking over the backfield here. Yeah. I was, that was, I was
0: fully locked in. I had Jonathan Taylor in a couple of DFS lineups because I was like, all right, against, against the Lions defense, like this just feels like his time to emerge and it did not come to fruition. So hopefully the ankle injury isn't anything too, too serious. It doesn't seem like it's something that's going to keep him out. It might be something that just lingers with him, which kind of puts a cap on the worst, which is exactly not at all what you want. Uh, also, Naheem Hines is like 30% rostered in Yahoo Leagues. I, he is a tough guy to rely on. That being said, what you love to see is the fact that when the Colts are down and they need to pass the ball, Naheem Hines is the running back on the field. Whether or not he gets the targets, whether or not he gets the production, he is that back on the field the Colts do play the Ravens next. Uh, And so that game could be a game where the Colts get down big. We saw this against the Bengals where the Colts was working, working their way out of a deficit against the Bengals back in week seven. And Naheem Hines was on the field for, I think like 20%, you know, it was the vast majority of snaps. I think it's like 20 plus snaps in the first half. So that, that role is cemented and that is great to see. And maybe Philip Rivers has a little more confidence. He has, I mean, those were, big catches that he made and some super sweet backflips that he landed. Uh, But, uh, but he's something, he's someone who I will probably consider putting in my starting lineup this week. uh, Given the fact that I think that this Ravens game could be a situation where he is heavily utilized, uh, especially early in the game. If the Ravens get out to an early lead.
1: Yeah. Hines is kind of like the throwback to the Sean Jackson of running backs. Uh, highly likely to get you three points in a ppr league but four times in the season he's going to get you 20 plus uh god i was so wrong about philip rivers and i'm sorry i thought that they would just be fine playing with philip rivers and he's obviously just not good and ty hilton you probably should have been out weeks ago uh on him but he's he's just also not he's worth done. it there's nobody in this receiving core that. Is worth going after, in my opinion. They all kind of do the same thing, and Philip Rivers doesn't seem to ever lock on to one of them. Guess which tight end is going to have a touchdown? Because we know that's going to happen a couple of weeks. So if you're just struggling for tight end, just pick one of the Colts ones, and you got a okay shot at you know eight points. Yeah, especially Trey Burton. Trey Burton now has become like
0: their goal line running back. It's like okay, sure. I I mean, Jack
1: Doyle, Mo' Cox was back, right? The whole gang's back together.
0: I think losing Paris Campbell was a big hit to this offense. I think he was going to have a, a really big role to kind of help open up the middle of the field. But uh, yeah,
1: something to keep an eye on next year. He was breaking out before he got hurt and no one's totally. going to remember. Uh, so write, write on your little pen and paper on your little during the season football notes. Get Paris Campbell late because everyone's yes. going to forget about him, I think.
0: Smirt, smirt. All right, last thing to talk about. Uh, it was our first look at Tuatungovailoa. Loa in the uh, Dolphins uh, offense. And while he didn't do too much to win that game, because the Dolphins defense Brian Flores knows how to beat Sean McVay. Let's, let's just say that Uh, he knows how to completely eviscerate Sean McVay's offense. We did see Tua and we did see kind of get a first look at his uh, target share and where he went with the ball and the two biggest benefactors, Miles Gaskin, which we kind of could have expected, you know, young quarterbacks love to throw the ball to their, uh, to their running backs. He had six targets, led the team in targets. Preston Williams also though, five targets for him, 22% of the targets uh, in that offense. That's a huge hit. Good. You know, that's great for Preston Williams because he's been someone who was not overlooked under Ryan Fitzpatrick, but certainly wasn't having the, you know, the second year that we were anticipating from him, uh, given how well he played before he injured himself in his rookie year. So that's, that's great for Preston Williams. If that trend continues, my guess is we'll see Devonte Parker and Mike Gasicki, both only had two targets. One of uh, Devonte Parker caught his for a touchdown. So that's was a nice to save the day for him, but I would expect those two guys to also to climb up the list, but miles Gaskin and Preston Williams as his initial go-to guys, good news for, for
1: Williams managers. Yeah, Williams, I'm just trying to look it up. He seems like he dropped everything in this game, but he was obviously the the go-to wide receiver to, a, I mean, an up-and-down start to his rookie career, which is what rookies normally yeah. do. So his team picked him up. The defense played great. Uh, yeah, talking about Brian Flores, knowing what to do against Timothy McVeigh, uh, make Jared Goff beat you, and he can't. And he can't. So they were blitzing all game. Yeah. And that's hard for any quarterback to deal with. But I think what it shows us is that Miami realizes you know, he can't cover uh Cooper Cup, and no one can cover him because he's too quick and he will just get open a la Julian Edelman, and he'll get open wherever he is, and if there's enough time, uh Goff can go to him. All the other receivers are totally manageable. It's like you your normal NFL corner can cover these guys. No problem. And that's what the Dolphins did. They just blitzed all day, and we're just in man-to-man coverage, and put this one away early. Uh,
0: yeah, Goff threw the ball 61 times, and 21 of those were to Cooper Cup. Cooper Cup had 21 targets. That blew my mind when I read that. That's an absurd amount of targets. Uh, but, yes, Cooper Cup is is
1: clearly the – Go-to guy uh, in that. Also, uh, God, fucking Malcolm Brown still getting the ball. I'm not trying to be mean to Malcolm Brown, but stop. Well, Daryl Henderson left, I think, with an injury. I don't know that backfield. That backfield, I want no part of. Zero. Cam Acres got the ball, looked great, and then you're like, well, who was the <laughs> slow person who can't really cut? Who's in there anymore? Oh, Malcolm Brown got back in the game. What oh, happened? Good, 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 good for
0: them. Good for them. Uh, all right. Well, that's all we got for the news. And uh, before we get into some trade deadline moves that we'd love to see, yeah, let's talk waiver wires. Uh, and I'll start us off. It is well past time for Corey Davis to be on your roster. It's now two games in back to back that he has seen 10 targets. He is a wide receiver, too, like reliably now. He is actually, it's not even just 10 targets, it's and a touchdown. I don't know what more you want for this guy. He torched the Bengals 128 yards, eight catches, and a TD. And the next game. Next few games for the Titans are tough, but weeks thirteen to seventeen, which is your fantasy playoff stretch, that's when you need your guys to perform the best. Browns, Jaguars, Lions, Packers, Texans. I don't know what you want in terms of a better schedule for fantasy playoffs. So Corey Davis is forty seven percent rostered in Yahoo League, so It's probably closer to fifty now, but you should one hundred percent be rostering him and starting him regularly because he has proven to be this. This offense can support both him and AJ Brown.
1: Yeah, the Titans are the Titans are good on offense. Who would have thought? Yeah, I, have thought. I, I'm with you. Uh, Davis does some really impressive things after kind of wallowing in Tennessee for a few years, so I think he's a, a worthy pickup. What do you got? Yeah, Jacoby Myers, a couple of guys that we hit on already. Uh, any running back in a San Francisco 49ers uniform, so Jermichael Hasty is probably already picked up, uh, but he's worth going back to with Tevin Coleman getting injured in the class Niners is having a really tough time last week um and then and then Gus Edwards who we've already talked about he is I think even when Mark Ingram comes back they're gonna defer to Gus Edwards who does the same things that Mark Ingram does but he's just a little bit younger Mark Ingram and that's what happens in in a young man's game so a lot of really good kind of middle of the road pickups out on the waiver wire this week no real like this is going to change the league stuff that I saw well, Clark,
0: I wanted to give your, your guy some love because you've been on the Meikle Hardman train for a long time now. He's coming off his best game, nine targets, uh, 96 yards in a TD against the Jets. Yes, against the Jets. But they get the Panthers next. And it seems as though he has kind of cemented himself as that number two receiver alongside T, uh, Tyree Kill. And if I can get any part of the Chiefs passing game with, seems to be warming up. Patrick Mahomes throwing for five touchdowns against the uh, the garbage Jets, but they get the Panthers next. Uh, I want to uh, I want to get a part of that on my team.
1: Yeah, outside of Kelsey and Tyree Kill, even sort of Clyde Edwards-Helaire with the Chiefs offense, you're just taking shots. Uh, I try not to let my personal feelings interfere with <laughs> advice I give on the podcast, but That's Michael no Hardman has personally been incredibly difficult for me to manage on my teams this year I've just missed every time and so oh. that's a good point and he does have those big games but I've put him in there when he's just got nothing <laughs> as well so it's 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 tough but he's tempting
0: mm-hmm. that's fair that's fair well I, you know I appreciate you putting aside your personal feelings to bring the people good fantasy insight
1: yeah, I mean, you're going to do it, and then what's his name that we, Damian Williams, that we all forget about all the time, is going to get Marcus eight targets Robinson. and
0: 125
1: yeah. yards and a touchdown, and Nicole Hardman's going to get, like, a bunch of great kick returns. Very nothing. Nothing. Uh,
0: all right. Well, before we talk about some uh, trade deadline moves that we'd love to see, let's take a quick ad break.
1: Learn more at marines.com.
0: All right, we are back. And as we all know, NFL, dead, well, maybe we don't know. I feel like there's a lot of other things that maybe are more important on today, Tuesday, November 3rd, uh, rather than the NFL's trade deadline. But NFL trade really. deadline, <laughs> not really. <laughs> nothing Nothing comes off the top of my head. Uh, NFL trade deadline is happening tomorrow slash today as you are listening to this. I think it's like 3 p.m. It stops. We've seen some trades go down already. None of them offensive. It's all been defensive stuff. I know today or Monday, Quan Alexander got sent off to the Saints. um, And we've seen some other ones. Desmond King, I think, went to the Titans. So a lot of defensive movement. No offensive movement yet. But we have a couple of guys who we would like to see moved for maybe fantasy purposes, for just for fun purposes. Uh, So, Clark, why don't you start us off? What's a trade that you would love to see go down at the deadline for just the betterment of society?
1: So while I don't think that either of mine are going to actually happen, they should happen. They They, should. They just, it's like when you, it's like when you have just an absolute garbage team in baseball and some guy with a two and a half ERA, who's got like a hundred innings in, like get this guy off this team that can't use him and get him onto a good team. And this is just this should make so much sense for everyone. And so it's definitely not gonna happen. But the Miami Dolphins should trade Ryan Fitzpatrick to the Dallas Cowboys for like a, a sixth-round pick. Million percent this should happen. That'd be fun. I know we've talked about it before, but like why not do that? But this should be talked about even more
0: because this like the Cowboys. The fact, this is the beautiful thing, and I can't believe I'm describing the NFC East as beautiful, but this is the beautiful thing about the NFC East being just a hot garbage pile of shit, is that none of these teams are out of it. Like, even the fucking trash-ass Cowboys who got their ass handed to them, not even handed to them by the Eagles. The Eagles barely won that game with Ben DiNucci playing under center. Like, how? go go get ryan fitzpatrick and just let this offense be back to this like fun explosive thing who cares if you don't have a defense ryan Fitzmagic can like chuck 400 yards and five touchdowns with this squad easily oh my god i need to see this it's just would it just would make the cowboys so much more excitable and you know since we have all of these goddamn nfc east like primetime games that we're gonna have to sit through for the rest of the year Do it for the betterment of us fantasy and football watchers. Do it for the fans. Give us a Cowboys team that's actually going to be fun and exciting to watch rather than Andy Dalton checking down and Ben DiNucci, DiNucci, fumbling the ball every time he touches
1: it. Yeah, and Fitzpatrick has worked in some places with horrible offensive lines before. He has has some moves. He's an older fella, but he can move around a little bit. And if you give him a few weapons, he can just absolutely – Light the league on fire for a four or five game stretch. So I don't like the Cowboys, but man, uh like you said, the Eagles are leading the division at three and four. Six and one or something. <laughs> on? Like,
0: what are we doing here? <laughs>
1: yeah. Go make that um, move. And yeah, you know, Fitzpatrick wants to play. He was pissed that he got benched, which is everyone should be pissed if they're benched. That's fine. I don't care. But like, send him to somewhere else. Get a six round pick. Yeah. Yes. 100%. Make
0: that move. Or, on the flip side, if the Cowboys are like, nah, we're going to tank for Trevor, or we're going to suck for some other player that Ryan's would suck. Uh, what is it, Justin Fields? What can we do with Fields? Uh, I'll think of something. Yield for Field. Oh, There we go. Well yeah. done. Well done, Clark. That is the quick, spontaneous thinking that uh, we pay you the big dollars for. The Cowboys might just want to blow things up. And in that case, can I please, Jerry Jones... Please, let's free Michael Gallup. Michael Gallup has not been what he was last year uh, in this Cowboys offense. He seems to be playing fifth fiddle to everyone else on this offense. You know who would use a beautiful downfield threat like Michael Gallup? It's the Green Bay Packers. Aaron Rodgers is having a Rodgers being able to chuck the ball over. But outside of Devontae Parker, Devontae Adams, excuse me, uh, he doesn't really have uh, that much to throw to. So let's get him, Michael Gallup, Get someone who can stretch the field alongside Devontae Adams, the safety. If you're playing single high, he has to pick one of those two guys to cover. The other one's in single coverage, and Aaron Rodgers chucks it up to him, and we have touchdowns galore. As a Michael, as a Michael Gallup uh, manager, I would love to see this. This would make me very happy. So uh, let's let's give the Packers more offensive weapons to really really get this team uh, pushing for a for a Super Bowl run.
1: Yeah, the uh, problem with the Packers isn't isn't on offense, even though the target funnel is basically just a hose from Aaron Rodgers to Devontae Adams. This would be great to see. Uh, Gallup started really coming on last year and looked fantastic and is now just buried and caught in the mire with all of the misfortune that's befalling the Cowboys. So this would be a fun trade, really, like any competent wide receiver to the Packers that someone brings yeah. up and be like, yeah, that'd be fun. We should do that for sure. <laughs>
0: Yeah, how do you feel about the uh, Will Fuller rumors? No. No. <laughs>
1: as a as a Texans fan, don't don't do that to me. Don't put that evil on you. Yeah, yeah people pe- go ahead. With when you have the reason I like the Michael Gallup trade is the Cowboys don't have a quarterback right now and they they have other good wide receivers. The Texans as horrible as they have been are not out of it and have a quarterback for the future, so I, I hope they don't blow it up because when you blow it up in the NFL and you're good enough to pick like 12th or 15th, you you just get stuck in this horrible spot right. of not being able to get that top, top tier talent, but and needing it to move forward. So what are they, they going to get for Will Fuller? No one's going to give him anything. Right. Right. So. Um, Michael Gallup last year,
0: 1100 yards, six touchdowns. Like let's not forget that this guy was a very good wide receiver and is just, Doing nothing in Dallas and needs to be uh, set free. Clark, do you have another trade that you would love to see go down?
1: Yeah, it's another one that's not going to happen, but I really want to see it. Is let's get all bleary eyed Jameis out to San Francisco and yes! see what Kyle Shanahan can do with it.
0: Yes, him. yes. Oh my god, I'm hearing this for the first time and I love it.
1: Yeah, I mean it's su- super simple analysis. There's a quarterback who we have seen put up tremendous numbers in a team who just lost a quarterback who's not very good. Uh, if Drew Brees goes down that's it for the Saints even if they do have um, Jameis Winston in tow playing backup they'll probably go with Taysom Hill anyway right right? Taysom Hill is is Steve Young uh, so he's the quarterback of the future there so Sean Payton wants to be right on that and right uh, when you're uh, too smart to admit when you're wrong you will you'll never have to and that seems like the kind of person that Sean Payton is so good for you yeah let's get Jameis out to San Francisco Oh my God, I
0: love this so much. I I can't tell if Jameis would just like be this glorious addition to Shanahan's system and just like terrify both (laughs) 49ers fans and defense fans or if he would just like kill Kyle Shanahan. Kyle Shanahan would have a heart attack on on the field.
1: Well, the things that Jameis Winston does well, which is throws throws a really good deep ball, throws the ball uh, most of the time where he wants it to go, What he doesn't do is read coverages very well. And some of the stuff in the Shanahan offense is so simplified of we're going to we're going to run zone off tackle right Mm -hmm. four times. And then the fifth time, everyone's going to do the exact same thing. But you're going to pull the ball in and run around onto the other side of the formation and just throw it to that guy who's 40 yards downfield. Just do that. Even if he's covered, you know, Jameis would love that. So
0: even if he's covered, it would be, I think, I think I, I love this trade and I am a hundred percent here for it. I think that Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk would just, it would just be so much excitement to watch. It would make me really sad that George Kittle wouldn't get to like be a part of this action because I do think that this is like, oh man, this is how George Kittle would put up like Julio Jones numbers, like, you know, 1500 yards and six and. T- Twelve touchdowns. I was going to say sixteen touchdowns. Then I was like, whoo That's a bit crazy." <laughs> let's say twelve touchdowns instead. Just like he, I think he and Jameis would just would click on every level, and and it would go absolutely, uh absolutely crazy. Um, so I love this trade, Kyle Shanahan, John Lynch. Let's make this happen because yes, please and thank you. My, uh well, I alluded to this, and we're talking about a James Winston old teammate of his i just these are natural transitions through all of our trades clerk and that is uh is really nice to see uh is it gonna happen no do we want it to happen yes mike evans baltimore ravens let's make this happen baltimore ravens are clearly this is like they are going all in on this year they're trying to figure out this offense they traded for yannick and Gakway uh recently in order to like improve yeah, this defense yeah he looked great this or defense yeah yeah first. Sure. Um and now let's fix this offense and what better tool to give Lamar Jackson than a tight end who plays on the outside. You can't say no to these things. It would just be incredible. It would give Baltimore a legit number 1 wide receiver. It would help kind of mask some of the uh the errant passing that that lamar jackson has been experiencing it would free up space for marquise brown to thrive for willie sneed to thrive for mark andrews to like return to what we saw last year maybe and of course this ground game would just go balls to the wall Zerko. uh so let's make this happen the buccaneers you signed antonio brown i know chris godwin is banged up right now antonio brown scotty miller uh, rob gronkowski it's still better talent than uh, tom brady has had in like the last 10 years in new england so brady's not going to complain let's go Go send, Mike, go send Mike Evans to Baltimore.
1: I admire your creativity here. Thank you. Uh, and I think that you said this just to plant this idea in my head because you knew that you couldn't say this. Mike Evans would be much better served going to a team like New England where the problem is that they don't have anyone to catch the football. Not that all of the people they had to catch the football are quite talented, but for some reason the quarterback forgot how to throw it. So moving Mike Evans, very interesting. Uh, let's send him to England. Let's—I mean, if what Cam did with what's his name, your boy, the giant, mountain Kelvin Benjamin—is
0: that what we're talking about? What's that,
1: Kelvin, Kelvin Benjamin. Benjamin? Oh yeah. my God! Shot from if, the dark. If he did, uh, if he did that with Kelvin Benjamin, what could he do with someone who's who's really good, like Mike? Davis. Is this is true. Yeah. Kelvin Benjamin, rookie year,
0: one thousand yards, nine touchdowns. Okay. So
1: Mike Evans stops he, that. An absolute giant who is fast. We thought that this might happen with DK Metcalf, and we don't have to talk about him very much, but gee mini Christmas. He oh. killed after scoring a touchdown, surrounded by all the other little mighty might wide receivers that the Seahawks have. And they all come up to like his shoulder pads. And DK Metcalf looks like somebody's dad out there playing against he he looks so good and tyler lockett's still awesome i know he didn't he came back to earth but like man the seahawks actually went out and got russell wilson some amazing weapons um
0: the first dk metcalf touchdown that he scored in which he caught the ball on just like a in route and then like went under the defense hit the sideline kept his feet in bounds and then outrun everyone 20 yards down it was he just he is unfair he is reaching like the peak level of Gronkness, where you're just like this guy is physically bigger faster stronger than everyone else on the field and is just a cheat code just throw him the ball and he's yep. going to do something
1: amazing with it it's one of those where wide receivers if you are just the fastest guy on the field or just a tall guy who can catch the ball you're gonna have a great career and we see guys like this come along Every once in a while, like Julio, like Megatron, like Andre Johnson. Uh, these guys are just huge. And then you have an angle on them, and they hit the Jets. And and you don't know what happened. You just can't like – four people had an angle on him. It was insane. And he it just is hit the insane. turbo button. If you
0: haven't seen that touchdown, go watch that touchdown because it is truly incredible. He – DK Metcalf is, is, I mean, he already is making every team look stupid for letting him fall to the last pick in the second round, but uh he's he is going to continue to make everyone look stupid. Um if uh if Mike Evans is too costly for the Ravens, San Diego Chargers aren't going anywhere. Let's be honest. They uh <laughs> they had double digit leads in the last three games and somehow managed to lose all of them. So, uh, this team is not good. And I could see this team uh, wanting to continue to kind of suck it up to, to keep their draft stock. I know they optioned, they got his fifth year option, but maybe they don't want to sign Mike Williams to a big long-term deal. And so I feel like Mike Williams also could be another good viable target for the Ravens. Again, I just think, I think what they're missing is, is what we saw with cam, right? Cam was a little erratic in his throwing. They got a big receivers. I think that the the Ravens need one kind of physically dominant receiver that's basically a tight end, but can play on the outside for Lamar because instead this offense has been constructed as Mark Andrews in the middle and then a bunch of small speedsters on the outside, which. If, you, if your deep ball's not clicking, this passing game just dies. And then it's all on Lamar's legs and this running game in order to thrive. So I think, I think the Ravens should make a move where they can get at least someone who can reliably, you know, get open 10, 15 yards and give uh, Lamar a big target to throw to. So I'm not picky. I'm not picky, Baltimore. Uh, just go get a big guy. Mo-
1: moving Williams seems more realistic because the Chargers just always seem to do the dumbest things. So that sounds, <laughs> sounds perfect. He'll be right in their repertoire. They were smart enough to move away from Philip rivers. That's a man. That's one of my fantasy maya couples this year. I was just ah, I was wrong about that. Sorry. Also,
0: I, uh, <laughs> you said this earlier when you were talking about Tua and just like how, uh, you know, rookie quarterbacks, there's highs and lows. And, and that's to be expected. I tweeted out during the uh, chargers game uh, from the fake teams account. I was like, man, have we ever like, when was the last time we saw a rookie year from a quarterback? Like what we've seen from Justin Herbert. I got a lot of people in my mentions being like, um, you've been watching Joe Burrow. <laughs> I was like, Oh yeah, fair point. Fair point. It's been Joe Burrow and uh, Justin Herbert have both been uh, like, I mean, Joe, Burrow, Joe Burrow was marketed as this and he has, he has been that and more Justin Herbert was thought to like be this reclamation project that you were going to have to like invest a couple of years in before he does anything crazy. And he's just been tossing like four touchdowns a game with no problem. He looks incredible.
1: Yeah, I agree. And uh just a note on Burrow, like he's been doing it since the beginning of the year and doing it so consistently that it's just old hat now. So good right. job, Cincinnati. Don't get him killed, please. Yes, please, please don't. Uh any other trades you'd love to see before we uh wrap things up? No, I was just kind of noodling on it. I mean, like Tony Pollard to the Cardinals would be fun. They they like have that. they seem to be having some running back problems. Uh no, nothing's coming to mind.
0: I do I don't I don't hate the Tony Pollard one. Uh one final one, and this is I, I did an article about this a while back, and so I am drawing from that, I will say. But uh, one final one I know you're sending James Winston to the 49ers. Let's also send John Ross to the 49ers. John Ross uh, wants to get traded, wants to get his way out of Cincinnati, and Kyle Shanahan. We've seen it before. You saw Taylor Gabriel back in uh, 2016, where he had, I think, like six touchdowns as that kind of deep speed threat. And then in 2017, when he took over for the 49ers, Marquise Goodwin had like 900 yards uh, and a couple touchdowns for him. So I think adding someone like John Ross, who, lest we forget, like last year, started the year off, started the season off before he got injured with back to back 100 yard games, 100 plus yard games, uh, and looked to kind of be putting things together maybe, Clearly he's not in the future for the Bengals, which is a bummer because I'd love to see Joe Burrow launching bombs to him. But, hey, who says no to James Winston launching bombs to him under Kyle Shannon's offense?
1: I think this is the most practical one that we've come up with so far because I think that this would be an exchange for a conditional seventh rounder and right. uh, San Francisco would get that back probably with the free agent formula next year too. So that makes a lot of sense and – I. I remember when the NFL trade deadline, but I mean not like too long ago. Three, four, five I years remember ago. Remember back in my day. Yeah, three, four, five years ago, nothing. Yeah. So it's really cool that this is starting to happen. I know that NFL is kind of like the hardest uh hardest league to incorporate a new player. So that's why like I want the quarterback to go and I know it's not gonna happen. Uh, but I'm just stoked that that people are actually moving. Cause when your season's over, go ahead and get a couple of late round picks, and send these these guys who are really good and stuck on these bad teams to teams where we can enjoy watching them. I, tot- I totally do it for us. Do it for the fans.
0: Yes, I 100% agree. A active, exciting NFL trade deadline. It's just better for everyone. It makes the world go round. All right, well, there you go. Uh, that's all we got for you today. Make sure you subscribe to the Fake Kings podcast wherever you get your podcasts. iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher. That is how you'll not only get us, but also our fantasy basketball and fantasy baseball podcasts. You can follow us on Twitter at RB1 Podcast. Follow myself at PM Rogers. Clark at NFL Clark. Uh, we will be back at you Thursday to talk some week nine starts and sits. Until then, peace. Go.